Welcome to the Graphic Campus Podcast, connecting authors with young readers and writers and educators too. Hi everyone, my name is Rosa Lee, mother of four kids, former classroom teacher, and a lover of all children's books. And I'm Teresa Yang, also a mother of four and former classroom teacher, now full-time literacy advocate. We are here today to talk with cartoonist Jean Luen Yang about his graphic novel, American Born Chinese. After it was published in 2006, it became the first graphic novel to be nominated for a National Book Award and the first to win the American Library Association's Prince Award. It also won an Eisner Award for Best New Graphic Album. Hey, Jane. Hey, Rosa. Hey, Trisa. It's so great to be here with you all. I mean, one of you I see all the time because we're married, but it is great to be on this podcast with That's you. That's right. Jean and Teresa are married. That's right. <laughs> so, Jean, what's American Born Chinese about? Well, you know, when I started that project, I'd been doing graphic novels for about five years. I'd always had these Asian American protagonists, but their cultural heritage never played an important part in the story. And that's what American Born Chinese is. It's me doing a story where the Asian American experience is central. I just thought my own cultural heritage is such an important part of how I find my place in the world. I wanted to do an entire graphic novel about it. So I came up with these three different story ideas. Couldn't decide which one I liked the best. And in the end, the book really is me taking these three story ideas and and trying to weave them together into a single narrative. So how did you create American Born Chinese? I began working on that project as a mini comic, which is really just a comic that you write and draw and then take to your local photocopy store, run off photocopies and staple by hand into books. So it was on a very small scale. I would make maybe 50 to 100 copies of every issue. Every issue is basically a chapter in the book. And then I take them to local stores and local comic book conventions to sell by hand. So at the end of the day, I would sell like 16, you know, it'd be like maybe 10 of my friends, my mom, and five strangers would buy it. Very small scale. So to go from there to now having a a full color, beautifully printed graphic novel from First Second Books is absolutely mind-blowing. The way I got hooked up with First Second was through a good friend of mine named Derek Kirk Kim, an amazing cartoonist. He introduced me to Mark Siegel, who ended up being the editor of American Born Chinese. But Mark is the one that began the First Second imprint. I was part of the second season uh, for a second. So for a second was a brand new thing. Now, you know, it's pretty established. Now I would say for a second is a brand name within American graphic novels. But back then everything was getting started. It was really an exciting time to be both a part of for a second and also a part of graphic novels in general. Going back a little bit, though, I remember walking through China with you and taking lots of photographs. That's right. That's right. So you and I, we took some of my students to China. I was a high school teacher at the time, and they had this program where if you took a certain number of students, the teacher and the chaperones could go for free. So we went. That was my very first time in China. I was at the very beginning of American Born Chinese. And I think that trip really played a big part in the book, you know, I remember being in China and having all of these weird feelings about what I was seeing. Everything that I saw felt like something that I had encountered in a dream, like something I knew through echoes, hmm. but I didn't I never experienced directly. And I did. I did take a whole bunch of photos. 
And I use those photos as reference material, especially for the Monkey King segments mm-hmm. of the book, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Imperial Palaces that we visited, I use as reference photos for like the scenes that take place in heaven. Yeah, I remember looking for Monkey Kings on yeah. walls and ceilings <laughs> and roofs. You're so patient. You're such a patient wife. Yep, that's right. That's right. We went around those palaces looking because a lot of the palaces were decorated with these old paintings of scenes from Journey to the West, which is the original novel. It's like this 500-year-old novel that told the story of the Monkey King. So I actually explained the the connection between Monkey King and American-born Chinese. Mm -hmm. American-born Chinese, one of the storylines is like an Asian-American retelling of the Monkey King legend, which is this old, old legend. It's like one of the pillars of Chinese literature. And then the other two storylines, one is a more naturalistic story about a young Chinese-American boy growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood. And the last one is a sitcom that stars a character who is the epitome of all of the stereotypes Mm -hmm. that Asians and Asian Americans have to deal with here in America. So I remember receiving that first copy of American Born Chinese, and now it's been in print for 15 years, and it sells better each year than it did the previous year. Wow. And it's now taught in thousands of classrooms, including my own child's middle school and high school. So that's really exciting. Why do you think this story still resonates? Yeah, that was really fun to to hear from my nephew that um, my book was being taught in his classroom. It's a little weird that I went from doing these comics as Xerox comics that I had a hand staple to now kids are like writing essays <laughs> about my book. It's, it's just sometimes it feels really surreal. One of the things I've really enjoyed about you know, being a part of this whole thing that happened was I get to go to different school communities and library communities to talk about the book, to talk about the themes of the book. And then after I'm done, often readers will come up to me and will talk to me about how the book related to their own experiences. Cartooning is a very lonely thing, right? We spend a lot of time at our drawing desks not seeing anybody. To have those interactions with people is just absolutely amazing. What I found is my book particularly connects well with children of immigrants. And it doesn't really matter where their parents are from. You know, I think their parents might be from Europe or from Africa or from, you know, Southeast Asia. It doesn't really matter. But there's a a lot of commonality between what we've all went through. We've all had to live in between cultures. We've all had to navigate between different cultural expectations. And we've all also struggled with this feeling, you know, this like deep unspoken desire, often unspoken, of wanting to be, wanting to fit in better, wanting to be a part of the majority. It's funny, I think, because this outsider's experience, the experience of not fitting in with the majority, I think is so common that it can actually be a way of bridging the differences between people. So it's like this ironic thing, right? This feeling of not fitting in actually helps you connect. I remember seeing a lot of reviews from people who connected with your book, even though they're not Asian American and didn't go through that same experience, but really related to that outsider's experience. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that as America diversifies, you know, as we become a more diverse society, and I would say maybe the world, right, the world grows smaller, that experience becomes more common. The experience of feeling like you don't fit in becomes Mm -hmm. more common. 
So how has your life changed since then? Well, uh, first, I, I have four kids now. When the book came out, I, I think I only had one. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think on a very practical level, like the support that that book got was absolutely beyond what I could have imagined, right? Librarians and teachers, comic book shop owners, bookstore owners, comic book fans, they all came out to support this book. And as a result of that support, I am now a full-time comic book creator. The support that I got for that book really opened all sorts of doors of opportunity. Now I'm writing uh, Shang-Chi for Marvel. So Shang-Chi is probably our most prominent Asian-American superhero. I've gotten to do some work for DC Comics, including Superman Smashes a Clan, which was a graphic novel that I did with Guri Hiru, this amazing art team out of Japan. And I've gotten to do a bunch of more books with First Second Books, which I kind of think of as like the premier graphic novel imprint. They are such a great home for cartoonists and for our stories, right? So I did a book called Boxers and Saints for them about the Boxer Rebellion, a war that happened in China in the year 1900. And more recently, I did my very first nonfiction graphic novel for them, uh, Dragon Hoops, which follows a season of a basketball team, a high school basketball team out of Oakland, California. Those books were all so great. Mm -hmm. And before your book even came out, I could say I probably didn't read a single comic book (laughs) in my life. But now it's an everyday genre in our house. In the last 15 years, things have really changed for graphic novels in America, haven't they? Yeah, they really have. They really have. I I think a lot of what we're seeing now would have been unimaginable, even like 15 or 20 years ago, right? The widespread acceptance of graphic novels as a form of literature. When I was a kid growing up in the 80s, there's just no way you could have brought in a comic book into the classroom, right? It would get confiscated. And now, not only can you bring in a graphic novel into the classroom, but often the entire class reads a graphic novel. And I also think that, like the publishing format, the medium has really grown Mm -hmm. here in America. In Europe and in Japan, I think they've had comics and graphic novels that have dealt with literary subjects for a very long time. But here in America, for a variety of historical reasons, this kind of thing hasn't happened until pretty recently, right? Until like maybe the last 15 or 20 years. Before that, we had books like Mouse from Art Spiegelman, but they're pretty rare, like books that dealt with really meaty subjects. And now I think we're in the middle of like this graphic novel revolution Mm -hmm. here in America, where many of the best graphic novels ever produced are being produced right now. For a lifelong comic book fan, it's just stunning to see. As a school librarian, graphic novels are such a great way to motivate readers and mostly reluctant readers. There's just been an explosion of graphic novels for children and every genre can now be written as a graphic novel. So it's been really interesting to see how normal, you know, novels have been taken and reformatted as a graphic novel. When I first read American Born Chinese, I was super surprised to see an Asian protagonist because I had never read a book that had an Asian as the main character. And I just was so excited that I saw myself in so many of the situations, even though this is not a story I grew up with or that I was familiar with. Have you received any kind of feedback that 
talks about writing a book that probably wasn't really widespread at that time. It's been great to be a part of that. I do think that Asian Americans, we're in the middle of kind of defining who we are, right? We're defining a distinctive Asian American culture. And comics are definitely a part of that. So there are some great comics like Vietnam America by G.B. Tran. There's The Best We Could Do by T. Bui. There's more and more of these graphic novels that really deal with the Asian American experience. I had that same experience. When I was a kid, there were just no stories at all in any medium, whether it was in books or in movies or in television shows that had Asian American protagonists. We usually weren't there at all. We were usually invisible. But if we were there, we were either background characters or we were comic relief or we were villains. We were almost never the heroes. So to see that now, to see that Asian Americans are now being able to carry the center of a story has been tremendously gratifying. And part of me just thinks it's about time, right? It's about yes. time. That character, Cousin CK in the final storyline, he represents a lot of the representation that we grew up with of Asian American characters, especially in movies. I feel like that character was really hard to read as an Asian American reader. I had a hard time reading him. I almost wanted to kind of ignore that part of the story because it brought up a lot of anger and just memories of different experiences growing up. I feel like that's kind of what I was going for mm -hmm. with that character, right? That character is patterned after exactly what you were talking about. All of these representations of us that were pretty common, that are sometimes still common, mm -hmm in American media. Uh, specifically, there's a character named Long Duck Dong from an 80s movie called 16 Candles. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, he's, he's basically the Cousin CK character, but on the movie screen. In a lot of ways, doing Cousin CK in a book, putting him on a page, was almost like an exorcism. It was me taking mm -hmm. all of the stuff that had been bugging me since I was a kid and putting it on the page so I could deal with it. Uh, this is a little bit spoilery, but I do end up taking it off his head the story. And there was something very satisfying for me to draw that page, to, to kind of behead this, this image or this ghost that had been haunting me since I was a little kid. Well, I love that we're still talking about this book, even 15 years later, because the issues and the conversations surrounding this graphic novel is still relevant today. And students are still learning about how it was to be um, an American-born Chinese. So thank you for writing this book, Jean. Thanks for having me on. It's yeah. always great to talk to you both. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks for joining us. On the us. continued success, too, of this book. Don't forget to subscribe to the Graphic Campus podcast. Thanks for listening. 